welcome to the Defender Podcast, a resource to help mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm your host, Herbie Newell. All right, welcome again to the Defender Podcast. Today is August 2nd, 2023. Can you believe it? We've made it through July, which just actually means the weather's going to get hotter, um, which I think most of us are struggling to believe could be possible at this point. But we, uh, we're, we're enjoying the dog days of summer. Kids are getting ready to go back to school. And, um, and I think today we have a, a really relevant podcast as we start thinking about kids going back to school and uh, and and the the dynamics of the things that happen uh, socially in school. Today we're going to be talking about bullying, um, and I have two guests that are that are with me today, um, both of whom have been on the Defender Podcast before. Um, they're they're known to you, um, but I want to reintroduce them. Uh, the first one is Camonia Brown. We know her as Mo. And uh, and Mo is uh, joined the Lifeline team in January of 2020. She's from right here in Hoover, Alabama, uh, and serves on our counseling team as a family therapist here in uh, in Birmingham. Uh, Mo attended Troy University, received her bachelor's of science degree. She majored in psychology with a minor in leadership studies. She also attended the University of Alabama at Birmingham and received her master of arts in clinical mental health counseling. Mo works with attachment and trauma, anxiety, depression, um, grief in children, both with adolescents uh, and adults, as well as children. Um, I could list all of the different modalities and things that Mo is schooled in and competent in, but it would be the longest list of alphabet soup that you could imagine. And so I'm not going to do that. But what I am going to tell you is that she has three sisters and she has a sweet dog named Brenton. Um, she loves church, hiking, jogging, cooking, art, watching movies, friends. And her simple joys are drinking coffee in the morning and smelling candles and walking her dog. And all of that, um, I can believe because Mo's just one of the coolest people that I know. Um, and then um, we're also joined by Kara Clark. Um, Kara lives in Moata, Louisiana. We established the last time that we talked that it's Moata, Louisiana, because they needed Moata and, uh, and there wasn't enough water. And so they needed more water, Moata. Um, but seriously, she has a BA in sociology from Howard Payne University, a master's of social work from the University of Texas at Arlington. Uh, I tell you those things because um, these ladies are uh, are well skilled to be able to lead us in this conversation today. Kara also has uh, a, a master's in ministry based evangelism from the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. I assume that means that she didn't know how to find her way to New Orleans, but we'll talk about that later. Um, but uh, Kara serves as uh, the Louisiana casework supervisor, as well as a family therapist. She is married to Dr. Cullen Clark. They, um, together serve where, where Cullen is the pastor at the First Baptist Church in Crowley, Louisiana. Uh, Cullen also teaches history at LSU and at Howard Payne University and is one of the smartest people that I know. Um, and I just am blown away that I get to spend some time with these ladies talking about a subject that is that's kind of tough, but one that is going to come home to a lot of families. 
Before we get there, we're going to talk. Uh, we want to talk about preparing for a successful year at school. So as we're at the the threshold of our back to school time, and as your family prepares for a new school year, we want to help to equip you with practical things that you can do to help your child succeed both in and out of the classroom. One of the resources to equip families for the school year is a free video that covers children's unique educational needs, how to advocate through IEPs and 504s. Um, those are those special education kinds of documents and, uh, and meetings and how to impact the culture of your school. Trained Lifeline staff will give you invaluable information and tools in this video. If you're a foster parent, you're also able to get CEU credit um, for participating in this opportunity. You can either visit our show notes um, or you can, can follow the link that I'm about to give you to find this helpful video to help you prepare for this school year. And it's it's found at lifelinechild.org backslash video backslash CEU dash back dash two, dash school, dash preparing, dash four, dash a, dash successful, dash year. Did y'all get that? I just want to go on record. I'm not going to read that again because there's not a single person listening to this podcast, particularly those of you that are listening at double speed that had a chance of getting that URL. But you can go to our show notes and find it, and it'll be there. And as always, we are the people of the dash, and I believe we set a, a Defender podcast record for the most dashes in a URL in this video. Uh, and and so uh, I think all of you should go watch the video just so you could commemorate the moment that we hit all of those dashes on the Defender podcast. Well, enough silliness and enough fun. I want to welcome uh, my two friends, uh, Mo Brown and Kara Clark, to the podcast. Ladies, thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. So glad to be here. Well, I um, I am way out of my depth here, and I'm excited to be a part of this conversation and to learn from both of you today as um, as we talk about bullying and, and, you know, we just really realize that as school year starts, um, this is an issue that is not that's not remote and not far from um, any any of our kids. And, um, you know, both of you have the the role and serve as family therapist here at Lifeline and part of the, even the conversations that you uh, have with families and, and children sometimes revolve around, you know, bullying and 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 the ways that uh, the ways that kids relate to one another in school. And so we want to talk about um, a little bit of everything about the, the, you know, what is bullying, the effects, how do we cope with bullying? How do we as parents help to walk our children, um, you know, through uh, through the experience of of maybe being bullied or uh, to talk about how our kids can, you know, can live and and negotiate their social environment without being bullies. And and so kind of talk about all that. But um, so, Kara, I'm going to I'm going to start with you. And I think one of the important things that I think for us to do in a conversation like this is to set context. And, and so to really kind of define what bullying is um, and, and also to talk a little bit about what's the difference between, you know, 
being mean or 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 so you know some social negativity and bullying because I think um, I'll just say editorially that I think we you know this has become such a sort of fever pitch conversation um, and and we have a tendency to kind of um, enlarge the the scope of what bullying is sometimes beyond you know what's maybe practical and helpful and so um, can you help us to to define bullying and kind of sort that out as opposed to other, you know, maybe um, adverse social behavior? Yeah, even I can definitely try. So I do believe I agree. I think this has become a real kind of hot topic in our society today. And I think that's a good thing, because I think for a long time, we we didn't use it well, we kind of just had some really adverse behaviors between kids. And, um, and so we didn't really label it because we were just like, Oh, well, that's kids. It's the way it's supposed to be, you know, but as that pendulum has swung to a more awareness, sometimes I think it can also be overused. And so understanding what it truly is, I think is really important. Um, kids are learning how to interact. They're learning how to relate and not every negative interaction between kids is bullying. Um, and so, you know, we, de we define bullying as just a an aggressive act of intentionally and repeatedly causing injury or harm to another person. And so what that means is that it either physically, um, verbally, socially, mentally, you are trying to inflict consistent harm on someone else that you perceive is weaker than you. And that is in order to gain or um, continue the perceived control and power that that other person has over that other over the victim. And so that is bullying. I mean, that is pretty intense. I think it's, um, you know, it's very intentional. But kids are going to be mean to each other. They're learning social cues. They're learning how to interact. They, you know, they're broken just like everyone else. And so they're going to want what they want. And, and so I think that there is a bit of a difference. And we need to know the difference because how we define the interaction is going to allow us to know how to respond accurately. Right. Yeah. Um, and so yeah. I think it's really important to know what bullying it is and what natural or what normal conflict is, because they're going to yeah. invoke a different response. Well, and I think, you know, I'm I'm drawn to to kind of be the, you know, the youth pastor and and the parent in, you know, in this conversation. And just to say that, you know, there is an aspect of of parenting that we have to regard you know, things like Ephesians 429, you know, Paul says, let no unwholesome talk, you know, come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, um, that it may benefit those who listen. And so, you know, there's this ethic about that as, as parents, as, you know, community leaders, church leaders, like our responsibility is, is to help kids to, to say things and do things that are about you know, building others up. Yeah. And, and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a godly response, but every negative response or every negative thing that a child says that doesn't meet the test of Ephesians 429 is not bullying. 
No. And you know, yeah, I think I think that's exactly right. I mean, kids are going to be rude. They're going to be annoying. They're going to be insensitive. Yeah. You know, they're going to do those things. Um, not everyone is going to like every other kid. Right. So there's mm-hmm. going to be kids that are going to be picked last or left out. I mean, and yeah. as parents, we have to help our children on both sides of that. Right. Learn how to interact in a godly manner in a considerate manner, but understanding that that may not fall under the umbrella of bullying. Bullying is an aggressive, intentional act to invoke harm on someone that's, you know, weaker than you. Right. And I think that's, that's the, you know, the thing that, that you said in that, in the definition that I really, you know, I don't know, but it kind of stands out to me is it's aggressive. It's intentional, but it's also repetitive. Um, you know, that there's like, there's an ongoing, like there's a pattern of behavior. And, uh, you know, I remember from back in, you know, one of those doctoral seminars or something way back there, you know, when, um, kind of talking about even aggression in kids and teenagers and, you know, this idea that, um, that boys and girls typically display their aggressiveness differently that yeah. girls tend to be more relationally aggressive. Boys tend to be more physically aggressive. But but what you're kind of looking for in bullying is are they are they using that relational aggression or are they using that that physical aggression in a way that is um, that's, you know, like pointed and aimed at someone and and is is like ongoing and oppressive. And intentionally trying to harm. Right. 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 That is very accurate. So the social like there are different types of bullying. And I think we we gravitate probably to that physical, you know, where you have that depiction of the bigger kid beating up on the little kid. Mm -hmm. And that is more commonly among boys. You know, the verbal Mm -hmm. aggression of calling names, mocking. But that social relational bullying that girls tend to to gravitate to is just as detrimental, if not yeah. more in some ways, right? That you're yeah. that you're intentionally isolating and um trying to hurt, right? Another person in any of those forms is, you know, can have some devastating effects for sure. Yeah. And I think, you know, Mo, jump in here because I, I'd love to, you know, kind of enlarge that and talk about, you know, the implications and the effects, like what what kinds of things? Because I think, for, you know, for parents, one of the things that we we're very often not going to hear your child's not going to come home and say, I'm being bullied. But what you're going to see is you're going to start to see the implications and the effects start to bubble to the surface. You're going to start to see the other stuff, and it's going to give you a clue to know that maybe there's something going on that the underlying reason is bullying. So what are those implications and effects that we need to be looking for? Absolutely. So I see this a lot with my adolescence clients, right? There are so many kiddos that are getting bullied, and there's so many negative effects that come along with it. So there are negative, physical, emotional, and academic effects that come with bullying. So you see a lot of our kiddos that are bullied, they experience depression, right? They're sad. It feels so alone, right? Strong, increased feelings of sadness and loneliness. They feel like no one else understands where they're coming from. 
changes mm-hmm. in sleep patterns. So a lot of my kiddos that I work with, they experience nightmares from their bully. You know, the mm-hmm. kiddos that's bullying them, they're experiencing nightmares. They cannot sleep at night. Sometimes they just worry and feel anxious all the time that their bully is going to come to them. There's eating mm-hmm. patterns that's disrupted. So, you know, kiddos that are bullied for weight, you know, they may tend mm-hmm. not to eat. Right. So that's a whole mm-hmm. different level of issues that arise because I'm not going to eat because my bully is calling me fat. So I'm, I'm scared to eat. So you see a lot of issues there with eating, loss of interest and in activities that they used to enjoy, right? So this is huge. So a lot of kids that are bullied, you see them kind of go into this shale, right? So they isolate. You see the generation now that we're in, um, the Gen Zs, they isolate when they feel that fear, right? And they feel attacked. They're scared. So they're thinking that if I'm alone and I'm hitting, no one will hurt me, right? And I can just kind of isolate to escape from all the fear. And you see this happening more and more. And it's almost like the ruminating thoughts get worse once they isolate themselves and kind of go into their dark place. The thoughts creep up and it's almost like this cycle, right, of harm for them. Also, some of my um, kiddos that's been bullied, they experience complaints of feeling dizzy, you know, and headaches. And I say this because of stress. They're stressed all the time at school. Their academics are decreasing um, drastically. GPA scores are going down, right? So, you know, not want to participate in school as much. They miss school constantly, skip school, and even a large amount drop out of school to avoid the one that's bullying them. Um, I also want to kind of mention too, you know, another big effect, right? And, and I do a lot of research on this, right? To educate parents, you know, kids that are being bullied, and this is not an airy case, right? But 12 or 15 of school shootings, you know, can start from kiddos that's being bullied, right? That's maybe the way that they react to get revenge of the one that hurt them later on. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, when you when you look at that and when I when I hear all of those, you know, different things, whether it be, you know, in a, in a child not sleeping or not eating well or losing interest in things that are, you know, that are, have been important to them or, you know, all of those things, I think um, like those are things to some degree that we may see in the lives of our kids over the course of their development that are that are as a response to other stress right mm-hmm. like it's that's not it's not like the 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 manifestation of the stress that's caused by bullying is different than the manifestation of the stress that's caused by a lot of other things Absolutely. um yes. you know, a- and 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 i think so it, it so i think as a as a parent um you know, I just have to remember that part of my responsibility as a parent is to be a detective and and to be attentive to those things. And when I see them to, you know, to really start to try to look not at the behavior, but to look at the thing that's behind the behavior. Um, I think one of the things that I that I wonder and I'm I'm kind of just, you know, prompted to ask here is. But but in in your experience and and both of you can jump in and, and, you know, kind of talk about this. But in your experience. Is is the intensity of those things when you're seeing a child that's under that constant pressure of bullying, 
is it is it kind of right to assume that the intensity of their loss of appetite, their pulling away from people, their isolation, that those things is is perhaps going to be greater than um, if it's if it's some other kind of stressor? Do, you know, is it is this a road to greater depression or um, or greater you know what what should should parents be looking for something in particular in that regard and maybe the answer is no i i'm just curious that's a really good question you know this generation is so hard for them because it's everywhere right so it's pressure and stress mm-hmm. on every level for these kiddos you know so i think about in my day i mean it wasn't very long ago <laughs> but back in my uh... day like, they bullied you at school but you went home and you had a little bit of a break right but for our kiddos now they bully you and it's this thing called social media you know and phones and electronic devices that's horrible because it's almost like the bullies go with them and they cannot escape right so i do feel in a way it can and, and every child is different but it can be more increased right when you have you know we're we're built on relationships right you know we're built on relationships and fitting in and finding our people and finding our niche so when you feel alone as adolescents who don't even really or a child who don't know who you are and trying to figure out your identity you know you it, it's so isolating so i do feel in a way that this can d- depression anxiety can be more increasing for kids that's being bullied what do you think yeah. I agree. I think, you know, I think what happens, one of the biggest causes or the biggest effects of bullying is that you, you start to believe the lies, right? Your self identity Mm -hmm. becomes distorted and you, Mm -hmm. you, so you start to whatever's being magnified, right? If it's the characteristics or limitations or disabilities or habits, whatever that person is magnifying and focusing on, then you start to identify yourself through that. And so then you kind of become a, there's a self-loathing there. And I think that you're spot on. We need to investigate. If your kid's having trouble sleeping, I don't necessarily think you need to jump automatically to bullying, but if there is, those other characteristics going on, right? Those other things, like Mo said, you know, where they're isolating or they're wanting to avoid, or maybe they love school and now they hate school, right? If you, you know, those are things that I would say, okay, well, what, let's investigate. Let's be that detective as parents to say, what's really going on here? Um, And you're absolutely right too. Like there's not an escape, my day was a little mm-hmm. longer ago than most. And, you know, we did, we were, I was able to leave that at school and now it's constantly with you. And that cyberbullying is what it's called is very real. It's very detrimental. Um, but I think that just being aware, like their self-identity, their self-worth is can potentially be distorted by that mm-hmm. bullying relationship. And so being a really good investigator is important. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think part of the, maybe part of the reason that this is, this is a conversation that's so kind of both sensitive, but also common, like, like we're, we're talking about it. People are hypersensitive to bullying today. Um, you know, Mo, you mentioned it. I, I think the the specter of 
all the things that we've seen in school shootings and, you know, those violent kinds of things and these extreme things that we've seen that students have have done and maybe been driven to are are so shocking to us that like there's the focus upon bullying is, you know, as as being the cause, I think maybe part of what I'm what I'm drawn to you know, think about in this is, is that um, we, we just can't ignore what we're seeing in the lives of our kids. And, and we can't, you know, I, I think sometimes it's very easy to see these things and you sort of try to pick at it a little bit and you can't really find an answer. And, and so there's a tendency to sort of say, well, this is just kids being kids, or this is just, and, you know, and and as I've read some of the stories of, you know, of, of kids that have had really extreme reactions to, you know, to bullying or to that social, you know, kind of ostracism or, or whatever, um, it, there is a there is a component of it where they they probably haven't had an adult. They probably haven't had a parent that's really come alongside and you know, dug in and continued to stay present to figure out what the, you know, the root of the thing that's, that's, you know, bothering them, I guess. And so, you know, Mo, like, I think the, the, so it, it turns to answer the question for us or, or for you to kind of address for us, like how, how can parents walk alongside and support a, a child, particularly a teenager that, that actually is being bullied. Like we can, we can identify and say like, there's an ongoing purposive harm intended kind of, you know, kind of approach that, that is, that's really besetting our, you know, our child. What, what, how can parents support? Absolutely. You know, I know kiddos are reluctant to tell parents that they're being bullied. But if you do have a child that open up to you or you're a great detective and find out that your child is being bullied, I would say 100 percent listen calmly. You know, a lot of times we want to react. Right. And give advice right, <laughs> or immediately step in, which is wonderful. Right. And I love that about our parents. But listen calmly, right? They need to be heard. They need their voice and share what's going on and their concerns. Offer comfort and support, right? Kind of being that very attuned parent that we always talk about and, and teach our parents to do. So kids are scared. And I mentioned this earlier. A lot of times they're scared to tell adults that they're getting bullied because they may mm -hmm. feel embarrassed a shame that is happening to them, or they may worry that their parents would be disappointed in them, upset or angry or even reactive. You know, kids may feel like it's their own fault. I'm getting bullied because it's about me. I look different or I act different. You know, it wouldn't be happening to me if I was this different person. Sometimes they're scared that the bully may find out and it will get worse. You know, mm -hmm. others are worried that their parents won't believe them, right? Or, or force them to react and fight back and they're scared to. So I always encourage parents, parents that come into my office and, and feel scared and not what to do. Praise your child for doing the right thing by talking to them and talking to a trusted adult. And reminding your child that they're not alone. Obviously, you're walking alongside them, but we have other adults that can come in and help in as well, right? 
a lot of people get bullied at some point. So letting your child know that they're not alone, right? And they're not the only one that's getting bullied. But mm-hmm. reminding your child, right, that it's the bully that's misbehaving. And it's not them, right? It's the bully making those choices. And it's not your child. Reassuring them that we will figure out together. And I always say together as a team what to do next, right? And if it's happening at school, you know, in my research, a lot of bully cases are at school, right? Let your child know that we can reach out to the principal or the school nurse or the counselor or a teacher or someone so they can be able to watch the situation and take further steps as well. Yeah, I think, you know, one of one of the things I would just kind of think about in that is, is, is we that's an opportunity for us to step in and become our child's advocate. Absolutely. Um, 100%. Yes. But I, but I think, and and I'd love to kind of hear you hear y'all and hear your thoughts on this. But I think the, the other thing is, is to realize that part of us being our child's advocate at that point is, is also getting control of our own anger and our own emotions and, and to realize that that the most important thing in in our response is is the safety and the security and the well-being emotionally of our child and and sometimes you know in the quest for justice and in in the quest like it's easy to be angry and it's easy to you know it's easy to react it's easy to be emotional in those settings but it's probably not it's probably not super helpful um in those in those situations to react that way and i i just wonder you know what advice you might have for parents that would you know that would be in that place where they they have an opportunity to advocate for their children um you know what else would you say to them I agree with you 100%. You know, most parents, their first, you know, reaction is to get angry, which is understood, right? But reminding parents, right, you know, we always practice, right, that emotional regulation, right, co-regulation, right? Kiddos watch parents. So letting parents be able to kind of process the emotions that's happening for them, right? Know that I'm feeling angry because I care for my child. But the best thing to do is my child's safety, Right. And making sure they're okay, you know, in their own self-worth and their own self-identity. So how do I walk alongside them? Yes, I can be angry for them, but also I can advocate for them in a way of taking steps for their own safety, right? And their own well-being. And that can be beautiful to change my anger into taking steps, right? Steps to change the situations or just steps to support our kiddos, right? Kiddos need support more than anything because at this stage, they feel alone, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they have family at home, but they feel so isolated because their peers are against them, right? And making fun of them, right? Or rejecting them. So I think the most important thing, of course, is walking alongside them in a way of, I want to support you and I want to advocate you in a way of taking steps for your well-being and your safety. Yeah. I think along with that, I would also just say, like, it is not uncommon as a as a parent, as a mom, right, to have my child come and they're hurt. And that's just devastating. You know, having my child say I'm being bullied and I'm being picked on and I 
you know, my, my identity or my insecurities are being um, affected and impacted mm-hmm. that way. And that is filtered through my own history. Right. And this happened even for me. So like kindergarten, my daughter, you know, started kindergarten mm-hmm. and girls are girls, kids are kids. This was not a bullying situation, mm-hmm. but my little girl was being left out. You know, mm-hmm. little girl, she was being left yeah. out. And I remember the physical response that I had. It brought me back right to junior high, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, mean girl. And I just cried. Like I had mm-hmm. an emotional response, but I just didn't want her to have to go through that. And that was devastating for me. Mm-hmm. And so recognizing like, hey, I have my own history. I have my own filter and being aware of that emotional response and why I'm having that and allowing myself to feel that in a space that is safe. Right. But then coming mm-hmm. back and saying, OK, I need to be my child's advocate and Anger responses are not going to have those needs being met. And I think also helping your child feel empowered. What happens when you're bullying is you feel like a victim. You know, you're, you're being picked on, like you're being, you know, intentionally harmed. And so your voice gets smaller. You don't feel like you have one. And so reminding your child, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you know, that you, you are not what this person is saying you are, that you can have the strength to do this because we will be there with you. You know, you have a voice. And so I think that empowerment is also very important. Yeah. I think, you know, as a, as a dad, um, like, I don't think I'm, I'm going to be nonspecific here. So I don't think I'm betrayed any confidence, but but we we've, we've walked through this with two of our kids and and two of our kiddos that have come from hard places who who had situations where they were legitimately being bullied and and where there was like they were being they were being victimized and um and I'll like I'll just be transparent and say as a dad my reaction wasn't great like I I was angry um I was I was mad that that people were you know, we're treating my child that way. Um, and, and, you know, and when they, when they told me, when they told us, um, my, my first reaction, like it was, I was angry. Yeah. And, I, but I very quickly realized that, um, that my anger was, was triggering some, feelings of shame and doubt and and insecurity in the lives of my kids that that I was I was seeing something in them that I I had to I had to get a hold of myself and I had to react differently because because I was I was deepening something that was that was already pretty deep and and what they needed was not me to be angry and to be their their defender and protector and what they what they needed most was for me to reassure them one that they'd done nothing wrong mm-hmm. and that that was undeserved but but also to like affirm on a on a really significant level 
that they are exactly who God created them to be, that they are created in the image of God, that, that those things that are that are being said about them are are lies. Those things that are being done to them are 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 sinning against them as an image bearer of God. And and that there's that. But but it but it has nothing to do you know, with their worth. And so it was a whole lot more about affirming them than it was about like lashing out at somebody else as much as I wanted to just um, like take care of the situation myself. Right. And, and, and I think also as, as we're like trying to, if we encounter a situation like this, as we're trying to get school officials and people and, you know, whoever else may need to be involved to, you know, other, you know, parents of another child and, and all that, it, uh, like our, our calmness, mm-hmm. our demeanor, our approach to things is going to go a long way to our ability to be able to resolve those things. And, and so, you know, Kara, the other side of this is, um, like our kids are going to, they're, they're adults in the making. They're not always making great decisions. They're not always, you know, they're, they're, they're clunky in, in how they develop and in who they are. And so, um, you know, there may be some times where our sweet, precious children that we love uh, dearly, they, you know, we might find out that they're, they're a bully. That they're they're acting in a way that they're, you know, they're bullying someone else. And that sounds like a big, scary label. Um, but it's but it's a lot of times it's born not out of a, you know, character that's broken. We're not talking about a sociopath here. We're talking about a kid that's, you know, that that's that that's fallen into a pattern of behavior and is is doing something that, you know, that they like we need to we need to shepherd them through. Um, so talk about that. You know, it, what, what happens when, when that call comes and, you know, or, or your child admits something to you and, and you're, you're left going, Oh my goodness, I think my child's bullying somebody. Yeah. I think both ends of this would be devastating or are devastating for parents, right? To have a child as a victim of bullying and then to have a child acting as a bully, you know, you're going to first say, what did I do wrong? (laughs) You know, I mean, that's, I think that's the natural instinct of say, okay, how did we, how did we get here? And I don't think the question of how did we get here is the wrong question. Um, But, you know, first, they, like you said, they're, they're kids learning how to interact and relate in this world. And so I do believe that it is important to recognize if those actions and behaviors are bullying, then the mm-hmm. swift interventions need to be made, right? We mm-hmm. don't want this to um, take root. We want to confront this behavior quickly. Um, I think that we need to understand that anger expressions of anger and frustration need to be explored like what is the dynamic going on here mm-hmm. right and so i also think it is really important to know that empathy is a it's a character that is taught we're not necessarily mm-hmm. born with the ability to empathize with people and mm-hmm. so that doesn't 
mean that you are a bad kid, right? But it may just mean that you need to be taught the skill of saying, how would this feel if this was happening to me? Right. And so I think taking note of that and saying, what do I need to do to help my child understand that this is hurting someone else? Um, Understanding that I'm sorry is not sufficient. That's not a sufficient response in a bullying situation. You know, it's it's a good start, but that actions need to be made. Behaviors need to be confronted. Um, And you know, that you have to maybe hone in on some things that need to be addressed. And I really feel like that ability to empathize is it's needed. It's not always um, it's not always understood, especially by minors, especially by children. Mm -hmm. But I think it is something that can be taught and that starts with parenting. And so, yeah, I think understanding to grace right? Like the Lord loves the bully, you know? And so, you know, um, we do not like the behavior and it's not okay. And we're not going to let it go. And there are consequences. And like I said, interventions that need to be taken and steps that need to be taken to protect that other child, but that your child is not defined by this behavior either that there is hope out there. And sometimes seeking help is something that is necessary. Doing that investigating on that end, what's going on here that you feel Mm -hmm. as insecure as you feel? Because bully bully behavior is usually trying to hold on to some perceived control or power and being at fear of losing it. And that comes from an insecurity. It's a lack of empathy and a a strong insecurity of their own self. And so being that investigator for that as well, I think is important. Well, you know, I I think as we as we think about this, the you know, the two things that kind of jump to to mind is, you know, as we talk about this is is, first of all, um, I, I think, you know, something you said really kids and and this is sort of age dependent i think as well but our our kids particularly the younger they are they lack the ability to take perspective mm-hmm. like they they can't they like they intellectually they can't put themselves in somebody else's shoes right, right. and and so and so what they need is they need an adult to walk them through and help them to to like think about the things that are necessary to help them feel what somebody else is feeling. Yeah. And I think so can you imagine? Of, yeah. You know, can you, can, those, can you imagine things like, can, can you imagine if, you know, if, if you didn't speak well and, you know, can you imagine if like, let's, let's think about or, or help them and really kind of help them to take perspective in a way where naturally they're just like, they're just not, they're not it's not just that they're not good at it they can't do it they don't have um, the ability. they don't have right. the brain and, to go there on their own i think and right. i think it can be simple questions like how would that feel to you right if they would have done that to you yeah. you know how would that have felt for you why well, wouldn't I like that? No, but what else right. would you have felt, right? And it is effective. I mean, I do that with my own kids. We, I encourage parents that are, you know, 
in my own practice that maybe are experiencing the other side of bullying where their kid mm-hmm. is fearful or they're fearful that their kid is the one that just doesn't have that social ability to understand that, hey, what you're saying is hurtful. And mm-hmm. so I think if you see that early on, those early interventions, so it doesn't turn into a bullying behavior, right? If you have a mm-hmm. kid that just kind of says what they think and it, but it's hurtful, you know? And yeah. so how would that feel if someone did that to you, you know, and um, just understanding that they may need a little bit more of that opportunity um, to well, kind of process that. And they're not going to do it on their own. And I, you know, the other thing that I'm drawn to, to kind of dig into here, and, and I think you're exactly right. I, I think I'm going to go all Karen Purvis here and say, this is another one of those places where I think, you know, you don't look at the, you don't look at the behavior, you look at the, at the need. Like there's yeah. some, there's some underlying need that that's, that's causing that behavior and, and like digging at the need and where, where we, I think we rush in a situation like this, particularly when we think our kids are being extremely hurtful and purposefully hurtful to someone else, we rush to correcting and we forget about connecting. And so we're all about like diving into the problem and and where very likely <laughs> there's something going on that what our what what our kids who are bullying need to know is like they need they need connection. They need to know that they're safe. They need to know that, you know, that they're okay. They need to know that that need that they're, you know, that, that is eliciting this thing that, that although they may have a need, like they're, they're secure. And, and as parents that we've got them. And I think in a world where sometimes we're like, we are, we're led and I, to, you find out you're, your child is bullying and in this world and it's like, Oh no, like, yeah. are we on, are we on the, are we on the road to like, we're going to be in the newspaper and this is going to be a thing. And my child is going to, you know, do something devastating or they're going to trigger something or cause something devastating to happen. And, and like the fever pitch around this causes us to react even more as opposed to, like really seeing our child. And, and so I, I just want to encourage moms and dads that if you, if you're in that place, take, take a deep breath, you know, and don't immediately go to correcting, you know, kind of think in terms of, you know, what are, what are we doing to connect and, and what are we doing to empower to help, you know, to help our, our child be able to like express and, and get a hold of whatever, you know, whatever that need is. Um, so Mo, like, as we kind of close out, I think the, the last piece of this is, is what do we do to create a stable environment for our kids? I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, um, we can't control what happens to our kids out there. Um, we can try to help and we can try to advocate, but we can't control that. But, but what we do have a lot of control over is we have a lot of control over home. 
Absolutely. And this is so important. You know, I love, you know, the fact that you pointed out we cannot control what happens at school. Right. But we do have an opportunity to control their home and what happens at home and taking those steps. Right. To connect with our child and communicate with our child effectively is going to help their home be very stable. So. I always recommend to parents like creating honesty for our kids, right? Mutual trust and respect in the home, right? They want to be able to feel like they're heard, they're understood, right? And especially when school life is so rocky, right? And they feel so alone, home should be a place where they feel like they're someone, right? They're important. They're a child of God and they're loved, right? Helping them understand their identity in their home and through Christ as well. So I always focus on open communication. So at family times, family meal times are super important opportunities to have open communication, to check in with their day. How was your day? The highs and lows, right? Something simple as this, give them an opportunity to talk and communicate and open up. I always suggest planning one-on-one dates when you can. I know we live in a busy world, right? But when you can, plan one-on-one dates with your child. Do something that they enjoy, right? Be a child for once. Play, communicate, have fun. And this helps your child feel safe, right? Play is the way kids and teenagers communicate, right? So spending a whole afternoon doing something that they enjoy, right, is something to help them open up and feel safe, right, and feel wanted and loved and important and chosen. So I always say, especially for adolescents, right, allowing age-appropriate independence and assertiveness, right? It's Mm. so easy for us to like swoop in, right, and and, want to fix everything for our child, right? But helping them be able to be assertive, right? This helps encourage growth in our kiddos, right? And helping us advocate for them, but helping them advocate for themselves. Also, I always say, right, with mealtimes, dates, one-on-one moments, right? Encouraging your child to open up and talk to you when possible. Communication is very vital, right? It's so important in any child and relationship. And it just helps a child be able to express their feelings and emotions, all emotions. There's no emotions that's off the table, right? And this is so important for our kiddos to feel like they're able to feel every different emotion and express what they're feeling instead of hiding those emotions, right? And we know once they're hiding their emotions, I mean, it's just... It is not a good thing. Right. And they start to react because they don't know how to express what they're feeling appropriately. So home should be the safe place. And I just think some of these things will be very helpful. Here, any any thoughts to add? I know. I think that is all spot on. You know, maybe the only thing I would add is giving time to disconnect. If your child is experiencing mm-hmm. bullying or has experienced bullying, We just know in this day and age that it is probably continuing, like we had said earlier, at home. So there is no um, there's no opportunity to just be away from it if they're always on their device and their phone and connected in that way. And they need time to be able to disconnect. They need to be able to cultivate the relationships in the home that they are able to see themselves through your eyes that they are not the victim. They are not, you know, what. Mm people are saying they are. Um, And so just having that space, I think is important. If 
I, I just would recommend that if my child is a victim yeah. of bullying or has been involved as a bully, then I would have that disconnection there so that they can yeah. have that time away from that opportunity, right? To yeah. have it reinforced. But Mo is exactly right. Communication, yeah. safe space, intentional time, you know, that's all they need that. We need and that. I'll say. I'll say I, I I second what you're saying. And and I was even as, you know, Mo was talking about, um, you know, date nights and family dinners and all those things, which I think are all, you know, vitally important and need to be, you know, regular things that we do. Um, I was sitting here thinking in the back of my mind as well. And the fact that we need to disconnect as much as our kids do. And so part of that is is us putting our devices down and shutting the TV off and all of those things and limiting distractions so that we're, you know, we're able to focus on our kids as well. Um, ladies, y'all are awesome. Both of you. I'm so thankful um, to be able to serve on a team with you here at Lifeline and to be um, part of helping you be able to minister to families. I'm going to tell you right now, if you're in the Birmingham area and you you know feel the need to connect with a family therapist um mo brown is somebody that you need to connect with and she's blessed so many kids and so many families over the years here at lifeline same if you're in the south central part of louisiana kara clark is in crowley and she is um, there and ready to serve and is such a blessing to families and uh and and i know as someone who has benefited and continues to benefit um, as a family from um, from, you know, working with a therapist and 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 working with somebody to come alongside our family with our kiddos that have come from a hard place. Um, that's been a vital thing for us. And I want to I just want to encourage you seek these ladies out, um, help them to 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 get to know you and you to get to know them because they they can be an important part of your team. And uh, and here at Lifeline, that's what we want to do. We want to serve you. We want to serve the body of Christ. We want to mobilize the body of Christ into serving vulnerable children and vulnerable families. And uh, and and we thank you for joining us here on the Defender Podcast as we have seek have, have sought to what today work out one more way um, for us to do that through uh, confronting bullying. So we hope you have a great week. Uh, we'll want to see you back here next week again for the next edition of the defender podcast but until then we pray that the lord will keep you and bless you and that the and that the lord will ultimately use you to bring glory to himself thanks for listening to the defender podcast if you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe rate and review the defender podcast to make it easier for more people to find For more information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, visit us at lifelinechild.org. If you want to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. Follow us at Lifeline on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel through you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again next week for the Defender Podcast.